1208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's good to be back. So, Eric Bilstead, I guess I, I just, I, I must lead this, this sheltered life. So, last week, Fran and I were, were in Key West, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of my happy place. And we, we stay at a very, very nice resort right on the, on the, the Gulf side of, of Key West. I mean, you know, you could go a mile, and you're... It's a mile from the Gulf side to the Atlantic side of Key West. So okay. It's down there. But anyway, we stayed at a very, very nice resort called called the Pier House. And um, one of the things that they have there is they have a spa that is generally recognized as, as one of the best spas, like, like in Florida. So it's kind of a tradition. I, I treat myself, or actually Fran treats me, to a massage. And so that's, that's just one morning, go over, get a massage, right? You didn't see Robert Kraft, did you? Well, that was my point. That was my point. This story breaks while I'm on vacation. Okay, Robert Kraft, who is the 77-year-old, he's a, he's a widower, owner of the New England Patriots, estimated net worth of 6.6 B as in billion dollars. He apparently goes to a spa, which my guess is it's not as nice as the spa that I, I went to. <laughs> that would be my guess. And he's um, now been charged with soliciting prostitution because he's going to one of these spas where you have all these women apparently imported from China mm-hmm. who are yep. like quasi-sex slaves who they're, they're giving massages, but their massage apparently ends much differently than the massage that I was getting at the pier house. Right, yeah. Well, I, I guarantee you it ended diff- differently than um, that. I, and I guess... Here's the thing. Have you did we talk about this? Have you ever had a professional massage? I have. You have. I have. Okay. And maybe again, this is just me being sheltered and and all. I don't get this thing. You know, I mean, when when you know when they're when they're finished with my massage, I I shake the guy's hand or the gal's hand and go get dressed and move on. I mean, I just don't. I don't even know how this whole thing. I don't even know how this whole thing would would start about you know the the arrangements to finish up the massage in that fashion. And, and the folks that walked into this place, I mean, we're talking about. I think they have a hundred that they're going to end up charging with right. something or other. So it's not just one or two guys in a misunderstanding. This is a full fledged right. And, and, and so obviously you know what's going on mm-hmm. when when you book at this particular spa because uh, again if if I, if I'm getting a massage and um, I don't know the the masseuse or the masseur says hey you know you want something at the end I'm going to be going no I don't you know <laughs> so obviously yeah. this is something that is prearranged in advance okay now I don't know if it's fair to say 77 years old you can still have a midlife crisis and I my midlife crisis is I can't hit my three wood as far but I mean the guy's 77 years old he's worth six point six billion dollars and he's going to one of these rub down joints for goodness sake. And you know what? I heard that there's another name that's gonna come out that's yeah. even bigger than his, that more people are gonna know that they haven't released that yet. It's well I it, there's a whole other world out there that I just don't understand. And you know what? That's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's, that, that's just good. As I was mentioning, um, I appreciate both Scott Warris and Jerry Bader filling in for me last week. We uh we were in Key West. I if you want to see, I you know, I, I understand people don't care about other people's vacations, but I did take a couple photographs that I posted on Twitter. You can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Uh, just a, a couple of our Key West photos. There's one of me. And I, actually, I... You know, I, I love it. I do the tourist stuff, and I never get tired of doing the tourist stuff. There's a there's a picture of uh, my wife and I, and we're out on one of the sunset cruises, which is just absolutely beautiful. And there's a picture of me and the guy that was driving the conch train, which is like the Zoomobile. 
I just, I, you know, and they, they do, do tours, and I understand it's a, it's a, it's a cruise ship tourist thing, but I love it. So, you know, we we went on that um, once, and picture of me and Fran at Mallory Square, and then we there was not completely non-educational. We went uh, toward the Truman White House, at Harry Truman during his time in office during I think the seven years he was president, um, made seventeen separate trips to Key West. That was kind of his getaway spot and actually it's very very cool if you ever get down that area i highly recommend it and took a picture of me standing behind the the podium where harry truman used to give like his little press conferences and stuff so that's all up on twitter you can check it out at uh, jeff wagner 620 all right we have a lot of ground to cover today early out time because today and tomorrow we have brewers baseball kind of matinee exhibition baseball it's going to be that way for the next couple weeks maybe once or twice a week we'll have two o'clock out times and then once daylight savings time kicks in i end up having a full show but very exciting it's glad to have baseball back so we've got all sorts of ground to cover on today's program so we're going to move through topics quickly. Some topics, big significance, some less so, but they raise some of those interesting questions that I, I find that it's just thought-provoking. And let's start off with the story. I, I know that Eric and Steve were talking about it just a couple minutes ago. The University of Wisconsin, and, and this is this is the, the student government section of UW, so this isn't the, the UW administration. They have now suspended a chapter of a fraternity for hazing. Now, what is hazing? Hazing, of course, you know, typically when you think of hazing, it's you've got pledges for the fraternity, and what you do is you make them, you know, take off all their clothes and drink enormous quantities of liquor, and what ends up happening is somebody dies, and, you know, that, that, that's what we think of as hazing. It, it can be uh, I think it, it can be certainly less than that type of stuff. You think of the hazing thing where the people ha- are getting paddled or whatever. That That's the type of thing you think of with hazing. Now, again, hazing is brought more broadly described. But here's what happened. The University of Madison fraternity has been suspended because it's Alpha Sigma Pi fraternity. And they have been suspended through March 24th, placed on probation until December 11th. What did they do? Did they make pledges, drink copious amounts of liquor, and then run on the campus and endanger their lives? No, 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 they didn't. What they did is for new pledges, they made them wear a Dora the Explorer backpack. Now, Gru, who's producing the show, do you know Dora the Explorer? It's it's a kid's show, okay? So, I mean, I'm looking at the backpack, and it's got, you know, a cute little cartoon of Dora the Explorer and, you know, some of the, the Dora characters. And apparently, they also put fruit in the Dora the Explorer backpack and then had the pledges run errands for them on the campus. Like, Gru, can you go get my laundry? Gru, pick up my dry cleaning. Gru, go over to the cafeteria and, you know, get me a hamburger. All right, that, that that's what they did, and they had to wear the Dora the Explorer backpacks. All right, the fraternity has been suspended because they say this action was tantamount to hazing. All right, so the lawyer in me says, well, well, how exactly does UW, and again, the, the, this is the student group, the student sort of government section, how do they define hazing? So I want these three minutes of my life back, but I went and I, I found out the definition. Here's what they say. <clears throat> Whereas for purposes of the Interfraternity Council of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, hazing, hazing is defined as any means action or situation 
that recklessly or intentionally endangers the mental or physical health or safety of a student for the purpose of initiation or admission into an affiliation. All right. So hazing is something, means, an action, a situation that recklessly or intentionally endangers the mental or physical health or safety of a student. So in other words, at Madison, they believe that by making a pledge, run an errand, go pick up my dry cleaning, carrying a Dora the Explorer backpack, that that situation recklessly or intentionally endangers the mental or physical health or safety of a student. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's get started with this. I, I'm sorry, but if, if, if walking around, you know, with a Dora the Explorer backpack is something that is going to endanger your mental health, you got a lot more problems than just trying to get into a fraternity. 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And I guess I understand hazing, and you don't want people that end up drunk in snowbanks and things like that. You don't want people that are mentally and to- completely and totally beaten down by these you know, vicious sort of fraternity things. But okay, they're making the kids go get their dry cleaning, carrying a Dora the Explorer backpack. Is this endangering the mental or physical health or safety of a student? And if so, what does it say about the snowflakes that are apparently trying to pledge fraternities at UW-Madison? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talker text line. I get why we crack down on hazing. I understand it. I'm just saying if this is hazing, we have gone through the looking glass. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to be back. 1220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We really are raising a generation of snowflakes. Now, I understand why campuses all across the country are cracking down on on hazing. When I think of hazing, I I mean, I think of, here, you want to pledge a fraternity. We're going to make you drink, you know, a a fifth of vodka, and then we're going to take your clothes off, and we're going to dump you four miles from campus. I mean, and and I understand there's there's less severe things than, than that. What this one fraternity at UW did, Madison did, is they took their pledges. They had them wear Dora the Explorer, the kids' cartoon backpacks. They put fruit in them, and then they had the kids run errands, go get my dry cleaning or whatever. That, that they decided, was hazing, and they suspended the fraternity. Now, I don't care about the fraternity one way or the other, but... But hazing, under the definition, is recklessly or intentionally endangering the mental or physical health or safety of a student. So in other words, at at UW, they apparently think that you are endangering the mental health of a student by saying, here, go get my laundry when you're wearing a Dora the Explorer backpack. I'm sorry, this is nuts. If, If your psyche is... If your psyche is that fragile, how are you going to be able to deal with any aspect of life? Joe in Appleton. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. What do you think? Uh, This is a joke. If uh, this is what's considered emotional stress, I mean, you need to look at everything in medicine. I mean, if (laughs) 
you've ever had to fill out the admissions form at Madison, that's emotional stress. Maybe that's hazing. Well, well, yeah. How can we have tests? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of people that stress out a lot more over tests than they do putting on a Dora the Explorer backpack and going and picking up, you know, a hamburger for some upperclassman. Yeah. I was in a fraternity in the 90s, and I can tell you, this isn't easy. <laughs> well, well, right. And I, and again, I, I understand that some of the stuff can go way over the top, which is why they're kind of like rolling it back in. But, but yeah, no, thanks to call. My guess is everybody that's like pledged a, a fraternity or, you know, become a member of an organization or something are sitting there thinking, okay, they made them wear a backpack while they picked up their laundry. Huh. Okay, that's but but the larger point is that apparently, you know, we we become such weenies that people believe that that action would significantly endanger like it can endanger the physical health. So it would have to endanger the mental health. So we have college freshmen that are so fragile that putting on that door of the Explorer backpack is going to crush them. 414-799-1620. Jeff in Glendale. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff, great to have you back. Thanks. It's good to be back. Uh, you called it great. Uh, we've turned into such weenies. We've indoctrinated our children since the age of first grade all the way up. And, you know, we, these are people that we have to talk about that they require safe spaces. This <laughs> it, it is just, yeah, I really do think we could endanger their uh, mental status the way we've raised these kids. But it, it's really turned into a, what a pathetic, you know, Overly insensitive uh, world we have. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up the whole concept of safe spaces, Jeff. And and this is that example that no, we we can't have we can't have somebody that comes on campus and presents ideas that you might find to be challenging or different. So we have to have that safe space where where you can go to protect yourself from that idea that gee might be provocative, right? That this is that that whole ensemble. And I guess I, I seriously, and that's the bigger point here. I wonder, how do you cope with life? You know, you, okay, I mean, exactly. you know, if you can't you know, stand... It's, it's, it's funny, it's, it's really funny, but, and actually, if you look at the real seriousness of it, of why they're actually made this into a, and on the books of, and it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. how we have become. Yes, it is funny, but... Um, it's a more serious issue in, in the deep root of, of. No, you're right. No, thanks. And so, I mean, that's okay. So if, if and and here here is that that larger point. All right. So you're a freshman at UW Madison. You are too sensitive to be able to cope with. All right, having to walk across campus to pick up a hamburger for an upperclassman carrying a Dora the Explorer backpack. Oh, we, we can't let you do that. All right, well, what do you think is going to happen in your first job? Let, let's say you get into, you go into a job selling. You're in a, some sort of sales job. I don't care what it is. And you've got, you know, your sales manager is one of these kind of aggressive in your face. you got to be out there. you got to be making more sales calls. you got to be closing more. I mean, you, you want to talk about pressure. You want to talk about stress. You want to talk about, you know, mental, you know, perhaps anguish wait till you run into that particular sales manager how are you going to be able to cope with that if you can't handle the door of the explorer backpack carol in madison carol you're on wtmj good afternoon hi thanks for taking me a call yeah they won't be able to handle it um i as i was telling your screener i pledged and was a member of a, a little sister organization of a fraternity in the 80s um we had to do things similar to that which Quite frankly, we found it fun. Um, the university didn't have a problem with it. Nobody was demeaned or demoralized. I currently work a full-time job along with running my father's company, and he's in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And people are amazed that I'm able to get up every day and keep working seven days a week 
And I personally think it's part of it is because what I learned in college was you put on your pants like a big girl and take care of yourself. Yeah. Quit the weenie whiny. Well, right. Well, I mean, I, okay, so uh, this organization I belong to, I was in a fraternity, but when I was in college, you had to, all right, you, you had to, to raise money for the organization, one of the things was you had to spend X amount of hours going door to door, you know, selling these calendars or whatever that had coupons for Pizza Hut in them or whatever it was. But I mean, I, I, I didn't like doing that at all. That wasn't with my personality. So should I say, no, I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't have to do that because I'm going to be stressed out or, or whatever because I don't like doing this. No, I just kind of bucked it up and said, okay, this is what everybody's got to do. I'll put in my time and do the best job I possibly can doing it. It was we we did the same thing, and ironically, how many years later, some of my best friends are the ones that I met in the sorority and fraternity because we all learned how to be strong, take right. care of yourself, human beings together. Yeah, no, th- thanks. For, and I guess I don't even know. I, I don't even want to go that far. I'm not sure walking around the campus at wearing the Dorix, the Explorer backpack, is going to necessarily build character or make you stronger. I'm just saying that if this is going to crush you psychologically. You got a hell of a lot of other much bigger problems going on. So 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, WTMJ, Good Karma Brands and Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin are blown away by your support for the Good Karma Blood Drive at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Slots are filling up fast. It's tomorrow. Um, but there are still appointments available from 12 until 3. That's this time slot. Sign up now. There will be food and parking for all donors. Plus, you'll also go home with a mystery bag and a ticket to a Brewers game. For information on how to sign up, go to WTMJ.com or text the word BLOOD to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620. All right. So we, we get in about 5 o'clock Friday afternoon from uh, from Key West. Go up, pick up the dog in West Bend, and are kind of settling down for the weekend. I'm looking at the weather reports, and I'm thinking, okay, why did I exactly leave Key West? Because Saturday, you had the the we had the sleet and the snow and the rain, and then yesterday we had the incredible windy conditions, like 40 and 50 miles an hour, and we had the, the huge pileups on the roadway, the big pileup, 131 vehicles piled up on I-41 near Nina. One person dead, 71 people injured. Now, we're going to come back to this in in just a minute. Whenever I think about these, I I think back to the worst pileup in Wisconsin history. And if you are new to the area, bear with me for just a minute. It was, and I will never forget this, it was October 11th of 2002, and it was on I-43, um, right outside of like Cedar Grove, on, on I-43, about 60 miles north of Milwaukee. And what happened was, it was a 50-car pileup. Ten people dead. Ten people dead. Now, Gru, that was before your time. 2002. This, uh, 2000, let's see, 10 people dead, 39 people injured. Now, the reason why this really got my attention is my, my late wife was, uh, she was an attorney and she was, she was interviewing, she was an employment lawyer and, and did trials and stuff like that. She was at a client north of Cedar Grove and she was interviewing third shift workers so she was like pulling an all nighter this pile up started about seven o'clock in the morning 
she left left the employer's place around 4.30. So she missed this by, I don't know, an hour and a half or two hours. What happened was you had this, this fog that just moved in. All of a sudden, visibility became like zero. People were driving 65 miles an hour, and then you had the pileup that started and people slamming into the cars. Ten people dead, 39 people injured. And I've always remembered that because, again, my Sue just she, – she had missed it. If she had – if she had stayed and interviewed like one more one more potential witness, she would have probably been right in the middle of that. So I've, I've just always kind of thought about that. So that was the worst. But yesterday was pretty darn bad as well. 131 vehicles outside of Nina, one person dead, 71 other people injured. And this was this chain reaction pileup involving all these different cars. You know, they're, they're going to be investigating this um, and... You know they'll they'll come up with some results. I'm not sure that you're ever going to necessarily get to the bottom of it. But you had this complete and total mess. Our number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Somebody was we were I was talking about this with a couple of people yesterday, and somebody was saying, "Well, this is just another example of you know people who are driving too fast for conditions and aren't paying attention, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And I'm sure there is some of that, but. I think sometimes what what ends up happening is the weather conditions just deteriorate so quickly that we we just as human beings we we don't react well enough to that, and all it takes is you know all of a sudden a minute or two or three of of really bad weather. I'm talking about really bad weather. I'm talking about the fog where nobody can see, or I'm talking about the sudden, the sleet and the snow and the slippery conditions. At some point in time, I don't know that there's really anybody to blame. When you go to law school, they always tell you, you don't refer to them as automobile accidents because there's no accident. Somebody is always going to be at fault. I'm not sure... I necessarily buy that. Sometimes stuff just happens. The weather conditions deteriorate to such a point that pileups like what happened yesterday are inevitable. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this going to turn out that people were were at fault for driving too quickly or whatever? Or is this is it ultimately just going to be sometimes... Stuff happens, and the road conditions just deteriorate so quickly that there's nothing that people can do. And if you were anywhere near this pileup yesterday, I would be personally delighted to talk to you. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this an example of, well, we have 131 bad drivers that are out there, or is this a situation of, hey, things got really, really bad, really, really fast, and there wasn't much that anybody can do. People were in the wrong place at the wrong time. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, I think at the end of the day, more more often than not, it's going to turn out to be people just in the wrong place at the wrong time. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. <laughs> 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we have this massive pileup yesterday. As I said, that's that's not the worst pileup in state history. You go back to 2002, 7 o'clock in the morning, outside of Cedar Grove. 
10 people lost their lives. But yesterday, one person lost their lives, 71 other injured, 131 car pileup um, on I-41 outside of Nina. Let's see. Here's a text. Jeff, my parents had to go up to Appleton to take care of my grandmother. They said it was the worst conditions ever. However, they also said that people were driving way too fast. All right, Mark from Bristol text. Look, there, there's no one specific fault. I was on um, th- um, 390... Thir- that's, I was I was heading to Wausau, thirty nine fifty one. It was raining lightly, and within a matter of seconds, I felt like I was in the movie Final Destination. There was a stretch of black ice that literally came out of nowhere, and I was one of two cars to make it through, seeing at least a dozen cars flipping off the highway. Let's talk to Steve in Brookfield. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hey Jeff. Yeah, we drove down. We were in Cranon up snowmobiling again, and we left Cranon about ten thirty a.m. And it was snow-covered and snowing like crazy up there like it always is, and I'm from the UP, so I'm used to it. But when we got down to about Shawano is where it got ridiculously yeah. awful. I mean, they, they should have known, um, you know, high winds and a bunch of snow is going to be chaos, and it was. It was the worst I've ever, ever, ever seen it. I was in a caravan of probably 20 trucks with trailers and snowmobiles. Between Shawano and Cecil, we were all going five miles an hour in four-wheel drive with hazards on. And when the big gusts would come, uh-huh. it didn't matter if the truck in front of you was five feet or two feet. You couldn't see a thing. Yeah. So it was the ground blizzard that was really dry. That was the big yeah. problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 50 to 60 mile an hour winds. It was blowing constant at 30 or 40, and you could kind of see. Yeah. But then you'd get these gusts, and at the gusts, I mean, we'd lose vehicles out of the caravan. You'd just see one or two kind of fall off into the ditch. I mean, you just couldn't see. Yeah. They you should know, have shut all that stuff down. You know, it, it's um, interesting, Steve, you tell I mean, the only time, I've told the story before, the only time I ever put a car in a ditch was in exactly that sort of stuff. It was in yeah. South Dakota, of all places, and I'm on the freeway. And, you, and it wasn't like it was snowing particularly hard, but again, it was that 30 or 40 mile an hour wind blowing the snow that was on the ground. I was following a truck. Truck drives in the ditch. I follow the truck into the ditch, you know, and, and oh, yeah, you feel yeah. like an idiot, but it's like you can't see. Oh, yeah, and, and, and I don't think, I didn't see anybody going too fast. I mean, there was an inch and a half of ice with snow on top of it with 15 mile an hour winds. I didn't see anybody going more than 20. Mm-hmm. Did you have any idea the weather was going to be that bad? Yeah, I was out on a sled in the morning. Okay. And, you know, we had probably gotten a foot of snow, and we had five inches on Saturday. There's four and a half, five feet of snow on the ground up there easily. Yeah. Um, and some big gusts came through on the trail, and I knew right away because they were saying that the, the strong cold front was going to come through. And I literally turned the flat around, ran back to the hotel, and said, we got to get out of here now. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. Uh, and well, it was like a caravan of trucks leaving. There was a bunch of trucks heading right into it, too, actually. Um, well, glad you made it Glad you made it back. But that's, I, and, you know, look, this is horrible. you got 71 people injured. You have one person that's dead. I, I can't even imagine the property damage. Of course, that that's just that's just stuff. But, you know, in, in some respects, there, there are, I think, just times when the, the weather conditions are just so bad that even if you're being careful, there, there's not that much you can do. Now, look, I get it. I understand that people drive way too fast for conditions and things like this, and, and, and they invite some of their own problems. I understand that there's people who think that because you've got four-wheel drive, that's going to protect you when you hit the glare ice, and, of course, it's not. Uh, yeah, hi, Jeff. This is Janet. We drove to Michicot from Greendale yesterday. Check the weather. My husband decided that the high wind warning wasn't enough to keep us from going. Sheboygan and North was horrible, and I-43 had a blizzard. 
blizzard warning or advisory been issued, we would have never left town. We had no idea that it was snowing that hard on top of the wind that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Well, that, that, yeah, that was the other thing. I mean, down here in southeastern Wisconsin, Sunday, we had like the, the heavy driving wind, but there really wasn't any precipitation to, to speak of. At least I don't seem to recall any. Um, you know, further north, you ended up in in the big time mess that was out there, getting a number of people from people who were just, you know, um, you know, leaving. Let's see. Uh, tonight, Cole and Callie got extra hugs and kisses. We were so lucky today. On the way home from Green Bay, there was a hundred vehicle crash. We stopped just in time, and luckily, a semi stopped behind us and kept at least four cars from hitting us. We were in a bubble of safety. The police could not believe we didn't get hit. Um, let's see. It's just it's those type of stories that are, you know, out there as well um jeff we were driving back from south carolina on saturday raining like crazy so hard there were flash flood warnings basketball games proposed postponed huge rock side that is closing the freeway in tennessee for at least a week and people were driving like it was 70 and sunny people just need to slow down there is definitely an element of that stuff there's no question about it in any event uh, if you're out about on the roadways, especially when you get those high wind warnings and things like that, you need to be careful. If you were one of the people caught up in that pile up yesterday, I'm extremely sorry. Then they had a minor one. I, I, I don't it wouldn't be minor if you were in it, but uh, I-43 around Port Washington, they had the freeway closed there for a couple hours as well. So um, I said a couple weeks ago that I'm really done with winter. Then I mean, let me mention again, I'm really done with winter. Unfortunately, I don't think winter is done with any of us. It's 12:50. This is Jeff Wagner. Twelve fifty three, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, I was gone for a week. I, I did kind of monitor the local media. One of the things that is frustrating to me, again, is is what gets covered and what doesn't. And, and this, it is a story that other it was broken by Dan Bice at the Journal Sentinel. And other than Bice and myself, I'm not sure anybody else is, is talking about this. And I I just refuse to let it die. Because it is it is outrageous. It demonstrates the cronyism that goes on in Milwaukee County, and it's just flat unacceptable. Let me back into this. All right, let's say that you are a young law school graduate, and you want to go to work. You, you want you want to go to work in the Milwaukee DA's office. You, you know, because you want to make a difference. You want to get the bad guys off the street. You know, you want to you want to devote yourself as a career as a prosecutor. So you go to work for the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office out of law school. Now, you've got a college degree and you've gone to three years of law school to get your law degree. Gru, would you like to guess, Gru has produced the show today and always, would you like to guess what a starting assistant district attorney in Milwaukee County makes ballpark? A young district attorney, you, you get your law degree. Want to guess? He says 60000 Well, no, actually less. I mean, probably you're probably starting around forty-seven to fifty. Might be some, might be some exceptions to that. But you know, you're you're going to be making forty-seven to fifty, and then you know you will, if you stay long enough, you will get raises and you will gradually move up the pay scale. But you're not going to move up dramatically. So yeah, let's say forty-seven, forty-nine, fifty thousand. All right, but you're 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 a lawyer. You've got your law degree, and when you go over to the DA's office, trust me, you walk into this, 
I, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to be swamped. You're immediately going to have hundreds of cases that are there. You know, you're going to be shuffling through all these different people, you know, trying to do justice, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to work your butt off. That is just reality. And you're going to do it for Forty-seven, forty-nine, fifty thousand dollars. No, I mean you, you, you get benefits and things like that. So I'm, I, I'm not necessarily poo-pooing it, but I'm saying this is what we are paying. And my guess is, if you stay five years, you're probably, and I don't know this for sure, but you're probably still only going to be making sixty thousand dollars and right stuff. And don't get me wrong, that that's a decent salary, but but you're an experienced lawyer. Well, why do I bring this up? Because I am getting feedback from people in law enforcement who keep saying, Jeff, you got to continue to bring this up because it's really killing morale. What is that? Well, the new politically motivated Milwaukee County Sheriff, Ernell Lucas, all right, he has hired as his chief of staff a position that he created. He hired D.A. John Chisholm's 20-year-old kid who is still in college studying divinity at McAllister College hired as the chief of staff, a newly created position in the sheriff's office, and he's given him $85,000 a year. The kid does not have a college degree. He does not have any experience in law enforcement at all, and he's 20 years old. And he's coming in, and he's going to make $85,000 a year in what is one of the worst examples of patronage that I have ever seen. And I understand the full scope of that. Meanwhile, you've got assistant district attorneys who are actually doing real work, who are making ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 less than what Junior Chisholm is going to make to be the political operative for what appears to be the hack sheriff in Milwaukee County. This Again, I'm getting lots of feedback from people in the courthouse saying everybody just thinks this stinks to high heaven that you would take this kid and give him this type of salary when you've got everybody else that's actually working. You've got all these other people that are qualified and they are making tens of thousands of dollars less. And again, other than Dan Bice, the Journal Sentinel and me, and I don't listen to all the talk shows. I don't know if anybody else is beating this drum, but nobody is called on Lucas to account for this. It stinks to high heaven. It is an insult and an example of the cronyism and the patronage and and in my opinion, the small C corruption that has been infecting Milwaukee County for decades. And it doesn't matter, I guess, you know, who the sheriff is, doesn't matter who the DA is, doesn't matter who the county executive is, doesn't matter who's on the county board. It's this wink, wink, nod, nod system. Why does nobody on the county board call this out? Well, I'll tell you. It's because it's because maybe next time they're going to want their out-of-work, no-good brother-in-law who's just lost his job. Somebody, a county supervisor, is going to want to get that no-good brother-in-law a job on the county payroll. And if you complain about this, well, then you know that that door is going to shut. I, I'm sorry. I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult to everybody that's working hard at the sheriff's department, actually doing real work in law enforcement. It's an insult to people in the DA's office. It's an insult to people in the court system. And, you know, there needs to be some backlash to this. Shame on the sheriff 
for engaging in cronyism. And if this is what the Lucas administration is going to look like, we're in for a heck of a four years. It's 1259. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm actually, it might not sound like that, but I'm actually in a very, very good mood. It's, it's just delightful to be back. But I am going through some of the frustrations of life. Now, I have told this story before. and There was a time when I used to be a, a subscriber. And Eric, stick around for just a minute because I'll ask you to start this off when we start taking phone calls. There, there was a time when I was a subscriber to the, the print edition of the Journal Sentinel. And they delivered it. And I, at one point, I, I changed my address. And so all I was trying to do is call them and tell them that I was moving. Don't deliver the paper to this house anymore because there's nobody there. Deliver it to my new house. And I, I would be on hold for over an hour. And you'd get the hold music. And nobody would pick it up. Your call is important to us. Well, no, obviously not because nobody's picking it up. And ultimately, I, I just I ended up kind of like giving up. And as I've told the story before, I'm like the many thousands of people. I mean, I've canceled my subscription to the hard copy of the paper and I, I get it via digitally. Okay. So, so that, that's the background. So my wife and I, we, we own the same type of car. This, I understand that, that sounds weird. They're not the same colors, but, but it was her, it was time for her to get a new car. I said, you could have any car you want. She says, well, why don't why don't I take your car and you get the new car because I like it. And so I kind of like my car. So she went out and so she has a, we have the same vehicle. It's just mine's a 2017, hers is a 2018. Okay, well, all right. There is a recall on our vehicles. Uh, the <laughs> it's actually my my buddy who used to work for the Center for Auto Safety kind of called my attention to this. It and it's. It's if you drive, it's this particular type of engine that we have in our vehicles, and it particularly affects people who drive in cold weather. Okay, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, and and what happens is there's something that can go wrong, and you can get gasoline in the oil line, which is not good. You know, I mean, it, it, it's not good. So I I got the safety recall notices. A week and a half ago, I, I got the notices, call up the dealer, schedule this. When I last had my car in to have the oil changed a few weeks ago, they said there's a recall, but it's no big deal. I didn't quite realize it was, gee, if you drive it in cold weather, gasoline can get in the oil system, which does seem to me to be a, a, a kind of big problem. But, but okay, so I, I get the recall notices two days before we're going to go on vacation. So I think, all right, no problem. I'll wait till I get back. And then, you know, I'll call and I'll schedule the recall. And my hope is call the dealer and I'd like to kind of do them, them like back to back. You know, one morning, get my car in. Fran can follow me, drop off the car. She can have it and come pick me up, drop me off at work. And then we do it. So I'm, I'm trying to do these like back to back on two different days. Okay. So this is me this morning. I come in, got all the recall stuff. I sit down at my little cubicle and I call the dealer. All right. Okay, call the dealer. All right, so I get the recorded message. Your phone call is important to us. <laughs> All our lines are busy, but here we, we've got a we've got a waiting line. Just you know what 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 department do you want? I hit the one for service department. Okay, well we'll be back with you as soon as you can because your call is important to us. All right, so nobody picks up after about a minute or two. But then I decide this is going to be a quest. So I put it on speaker. I put it on hold. I'm a speaker, so I can do this work. Now, unfortunately, I am bothering, you know, the afternoon show producer Nick and Doug Russell and Gene Miller because everybody's kind of listening to this background music. But it becomes a quest as to how long you will stay on hold. So how long did you stay on? 
All right, I gave up after an hour and five minutes. It ran that long. Oh, it, it ran wow. an hour and five minutes. And I, I gave up because it was 11.20 and I had to pee. I mean, that was the bottom line. And actually, Doug Russell said, you want me to sit by this? And he goes, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll tell him, oh, you're going to have to hold on because he had to go pee. But, I mean, an hour and five minutes. Your call is important to us, etc. And and finally, the, the car dealer won. It they, they wore me out because after an hour and five minutes, I, I gave up. So here so, is. <laughs> well, I mean, do you think they're that busy? <laughs> I, I don't do they have that many calls. I, I don't. I don't know. All I know is, and and, and I, I will say this: after the, the first time I called, it, I, I let it go ten minutes. And then there was nothing. I was getting the same sort of stuff and the, the on hold music. Yep, yep. And then I was thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe I just did something wrong. So I called right back again. But no, the, between the total of those two calls, it was an hour and five minutes from 10.15 to 11.20 this morning. And of course, what's more infuriating is you get the voice that keeps coming on. Your call is important to us. Well, no, obviously it's not because if the call was important, you would pick that up. Well, so can you go online and, and submit well, I mean, it that may, way? maybe, but th- th- this became the story now because it's like, okay, well, if if you're going to have a phone system and you know you're going to take these calls, um, you know, in this case, I'm calling an automobile. I'm calling a dealer service department. Right, I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of thinking, how do you stay in business because people call up and make time things all the time? So. I, I I haven't gotten through yet, so I mean th- this was the hour and five minutes. But everybody in back in program is laughing because you know we've got this on. They're playing music. But here is my larger question to you: Okay, how long would you wait on hold? Now, if you weren't, I mean, again, I'm now doing this. It's, it's becoming a radio story after a while, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm sitting at my desk and I was doing other things. But how long would you wait on hold? I have recent experience in this. I went 15 minutes, then I hung up. 15 minutes. Just the other day, I was waiting to get through to the pharmacist, and they never picked up, and they never picked up, and I finally said, all right, I'm done. 15 minutes. It was 15 minutes. That's all I could give. Right. Did you call back after that? I did call back like uh, later that day, and I got right through. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I figured that was it. But, I mean, it's I'm like, okay, it's Monday morning. It's 10. And I understand you're probably busy. It's Monday morning at 10 o'clock and all, but... It's the service department at an automobile. Yeah. How do you, again, people call up. I need tires or whatever. They didn't know I was calling for recall work. I mean, I, you know, they, I could have been calling to say, hey, I've got this mm-hmm. thing that's going to make you thousands of So you would give it 15 minutes and <laughs> yep, you gave up. Yep, yep. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Honest to God, one hour and five minutes this morning, uh, all in, all done. And, and finally... It, they wore me down. I gave up. I, I could not stay on hold any longer because I had to go to the bathroom. But under normal circumstances, would I have let it go that long? No, but I happened to be at work. I had it on a speakerphone. All right. H- have you experienced something like this? And how long do you give it before you simply say, I, I quit? I'm going to find somebody else that's going to take care of the problem, or I'll call back later, or whatever. How long will you wait on hold? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If I was, again, if I wasn't sitting at work, at my desk, working, I would have never let it go an hour and five minutes. But an hour and five minutes, and nobody picks up. 414-799-1620. How long would you wait? We'll discuss in just a minute. It's 116. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, I, there, a, just tuning in, there's a recall. My, my wife and I have the, the same vehicle, um, just different years. There's a recall. So th- this morning, I decided, okay, I'm going to call, schedule, get the cars in, make an appointment. I was on hold at the dealership, on hold, 
for one hour and five minutes before I had to go to the bathroom and I ended up giving up. But, you know, would I have normally waited for an oil change? No, but this is a recall. It's a safety thing, and I wanted to get in. How long How long would you wait? 414-799-1620. Let's see. Uh, here's some of our takes. 15 minutes is my limit, and then I would find another car dealership to deal with. Um, let's see. Carolyn says, one hour and 42 minutes waiting for Social Security to pick up. I just put the phone down on speaker, sat there, and it worked. I'll tell you, I, you know, I... I had some dealings with Social Security over the last year, and I have nothing but praise for them. I I have never had any of those delays. Here's another one. Three hours to Southwest Airlines after they canceled our flights due to weather the weekend before the Super Bowl. Um, I might do two to three minutes. Um, let's see. Worst is when you're on a half hour for a hold, then they pick up and hang up on you. I've had this happen on many times. Yeah, that's it's kind of like somebody they pick up and then click, you're gone. Okay. Let's talk to Julie in Waukesha. Julie, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Julie. How are you? I, well, I, I was a little bit frustrated, but it, I knew it was going to be a great story for the radio as the time was going on. So I called the marketplace about two years ago to get um, my insurance figured out, and I was on hold for seven hours. Seven hours? Oh, this is the this is like the like the affordable under the Affordable Care Act. That's what you're talking yeah, about. The Affordable Care Act. Yep. And I called because I needed to figure out my plan. And um, it was literally sheer stubbornness that kept me on hold for seven hours because I I had called previously multiple times in help and I could never get through. So I was, I worked for myself. I put the phone on speaker. I worked and worked all day long. I took the phone with me to the grocery store. (laughs) By the time I actually got what I needed, I knew the names of the people in the desks around the man who was trying to help me. I was like, uh, like some kind of a hero. Like, so the guy said, you have the patience of Job. I said, no, no, I don't. I just need this to be handled. It, it, it has become a quest. I'm not going yeah, to the back of the line. Yeah. Yep. That, right. Because that, that's what they said when I called this auto dealership today. They said, okay, there, there's a line. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to be handled, you know, you're in this line and I, you drop out and you go to the back of the line. So, um, but, but they wore me down. Well, seven hours. You win the award. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Carol in Menominee Falls. Carol, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, uh, I can sympathize with you. I have waited over an hour. Um, and that's pretty much my limit. However, the most aggravating thing was after waiting all that time, my call got disconnected. <laughs> yeah. I was to be tied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 wait, I, don't you understand? Don't tell me to call back. No, no, no. no. It, just, it just went dead, and I was disconnected. Uh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, th- 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 thanks, Nicole. And by the way, my producer wants me to apologize because because of phone volume. He's answering the phone, and he's having to put you on hold. But I, I promise you, it, it will not It will not be that long. I, I promise. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Uh, Ten minutes is all I can do, and um, I'm telling you that we have the same problem with the journal that you had. Right. We just moved houses, and uh, we I called, and I, I got the message that said, your your call will be 32 minutes, your wait will be 32 minutes. Right. <laughs> and I looked at my wife, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. And it turns out I talked to a friend that lives out in the same neighborhood, and he had a 23-minute call or 23-minute wait. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, it's just that's insane. Well, it, it is right. I mean, and and what it just it's just kind of like wears you down, and all you're trying to do is just change the address or something. And yeah. I, you got to wonder how many people end up just canceling whatever the service is because you just it's like answer the phone for goodness sakes. Well, I'm going to go down to their uh, offices. <laughs> and appear in person. <laughs> and you know, let me know how that turns out. No, thanks for the call. Um, let's see. Jeff, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Jeff, uh, We Energies has automatic callback feature. You can opt out when the call wait times will be long. High praise for them. Yeah, I mean, some places will have that where they say, okay, it's an hour and a quarter. Um, if you leave your number, we will give you a callback. I've done that at a couple places where they have that, and I've gotten the callback around um, uh, around the time. That's why I'm surprised one of our callers you know, said that she had the problems with Social Security. My experience with Social Security has been absolutely tremendous. I mean, they've they, they've. You know, we've set up appointments on the phone. They've they've sent notes confirming the appointment, then they've called right away. So I'm a fan of Social Security. Some of these other places, no. Jim in Waterford. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how's it going? Real well, thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hour and something minutes you had to wait, you could have probably drove there. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I, no, there's no but, question. I could have driven. I could have driven there, walked into the service department, and said, "Hey, I'm still on hold back at the office, but here I am in person." You're right. Right. Uh, for me, it would be probably a half hour. Yeah. Automatic callback. Take that advice and do it because it works good. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I'm, right. Now, thanks for going. No, the, the place I was calling did not offer the automatic callback. It wasn't like. Um, you know, here if you if you want to leave a message, you know we'll we'll call you. It was just like your call is important to us. Stay on the line, and they're playing the music. It wasn't even good hold music. Um, let's talk to Glenn and Franklin. Glenn, you're on WTMJ. Hello. One time, I, I, one time I moved from room five to room four in a rooming house. I called AT and T at night to have them switch it over. They put me on hold. I fell asleep. Eight hours later, I got on the phone and I was still on hold. <laughs> <laughs> Eight hours later. Yep. And then if I remember right, if I'm up on it. Well, that's all right. Th- thanks. It's kind of like thanks. It's, it's sort of like okay. Well, what's this phone? What's this phone line doing here and stuff? And you know, I, who who could that be? Nobody would be silly enough to be on the phone for that long. Uh, let's talk to Lucy on the west side. Hi, Lucy. You're in WTMJ. Hi there. Hi. Um, I was telling your um, screener that. I have had a mixed bag with Social Security. Sometimes I've had a wonderful experience. Other times I've had to wait, but the wait was worth it, and the service when I got it was always very good. I will stay on hold as long as I care because I know when I finally get through, I'm going to get excellent help yeah. <laughs> that, no one else can, that no one else can give me, and they've stopped charging. So they have, they have the best service. Okay. Here's what I think. Here's what I think about these other places. They do this deliberately, and particularly the Journal Sentinel. They don't want you on the phone. What they're mm-hmm. trying to do is to force the whole population, at least those who can, to go online. And I think if you're not computer savvy, they don't want your business. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Thanks for you know, it, it's interesting. The thing, and it's been a while, so I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent, but. The thing I was trying to do with my former subscription to the newspaper 
you couldn't do online because I, I mean I because I, I'm I I know enough online to be dangerous and I tried but whatever it was you had to call the number you had to talk to somebody to do it which was then equally frustrating because you you know you try to do it online and there's all sorts of things you could do online but the thing that I was trying to do at least at the time I was trying to do it there wasn't an online option to let you do it so you had no choice but to call the number and again it's just it's it's at some point in time you keep thinking are is there really somebody that's going to pick up and and you also start thinking how do these how do places stay in business if if you're in a business where you've got to interact with consumers and and i'm sure you're right lucy that i mean they'd rather do stuff over the internet and i i think you know in my case i'm going to try it one or two more times and then i might find a different dealer or whatever but but i mean i'm sure i could go do that on the internet but the way i've historically done it is you pick up the phone you dial the number you ask for the service department somebody answers and then boom you're off to the races ellen in milwaukee ellen you're on wtmj hi there i always enjoy listening to you thank you very much i appreciate that (laughs) we've had similar experiences too on the phone especially with the journal sentinel between my husband and myself, I mean, we've tried like for a week, and every time it was over an hour wait, you know, we put our our phone on speaker and just walk around and wait. <laughs> right. It just it's like okay, and then do, do they answer at some point in time or or not really? Well, that's just it. After a while, then I went on then I went on the computer and see if I could get a hold of somebody. I even called one of the editors at the journal, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, for something or other, and he said, "I'm sorry, I really can't help you with this." I said, "Well, why don't people answer the phone?" Yeah. Well, I think I mean right now. I mean, thanks. To, nowadays, with, with all the consolidation, when I think when you're calling them, you're, you're not talking to somebody in Milwaukee anymore. I suspect you're talking to somebody in, you know, who knows where. Well, in any event, one hour and five minutes in this particular case, the car dealer won. Now I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again later on because, again, I've got these safety recalls, and I, I don't want gasoline getting into the oil because it just – I don't know. I know not – just like my garage door spring went out yesterday. I know nothing about fixing garage door springs. I know nothing about, you know, gas getting into the oil other than it doesn't sound like it's very good for the car. So I'll try again. It's 128 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. But that is how I spent one hour and five minutes of my life this morning. And I apologize to all my teammates who listened to all that hold music while we were trying to see if anybody would pick up. Answer, no. One thirty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, WTMJ, Good Karma Brands and Versity Blood Center, Wisconsin, are blown away by your support for the Good Karma Blood Drive at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Slots are filling up fast. It is tomorrow, by the way. There are still appointments that are available from noon until 3. Sign up now. There's going to be food, parking for all donors, plus you'll also go home with a mystery bag and a ticket to a Brewers game. For information on how to sign up, go to our website, WTMJ.com, or text the word BLOOD to the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line 414-799-1620 all right i sent out a link to this story if you follow me on twitter it's um at jeff wagner 620 uh the the oscars were last night and i i confess i watched i watched the whole thing i i tuned in uh around 
I don't know, like 5.45 or so, and I watched the whole thing from, I guess, from, what, 7 until 10.15. It ran about 3 hours and 15 minutes, which was a half hour or so shorter than it ran before. So I watched the entire Oscars. I don't think I'd done that before. I had a couple, in general, impressions. I guess, number one, I I liked it without the hosts. I, I thought... You know, I, I thought it, it moved along fine. You know, you don't need some host doing some long monologue. Secondly, I was pleasantly surprised that it was by and large not the political rant job that you see a lot of times. Now, I understand at the beginning of the show, you had the three comedians out there and somebody, you know, made, made a backhanded joke about Donald Trump. And I understand that you have the semi-psychotic Spike Lee who won, he won his Oscar. You know, he kind of went off on what was an almost incomprehensible speech that had sort of, you know, political overtones, including a dig at Donald Trump. But But having said that, and there might be a couple other examples as well. I thought the Oscars were by and large non-political, certainly by standards of recent award shows and all. And, and I kind of appreciated that. And you know, in general, I, I thought I, I thought for what it was, I, I thought it was again Spike Lee aside. I thought it was uh, you know a pretty good show. I thought some of the performances, you know, um, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, they brought the house down with you know the, the musical number. I, I thought it, it kind of moved along well. It, it has, of course, generated some controversy. Unlike in past years, this was clearly a year where the Academy voters were concerned about diversity. And so you had a, a lot of performers, persons of color, who might arguably have been underrepresented in previous years. Well, not this year. I mean, you said you just saw, you know, people of people of color were being recognized, and appropriately so, and that that's fine. The biggest controversy, again, besides Spike Lee, though, was in the announcement of Best Picture. This happens to be. A movie that I ended up seeing. I, I, I can't say that I've seen all the Oscar movies. I can't say that I've seen that I, I want to see them all. But I, I watched The Green Book. You know, Fran and I went to see The Green Book, and I thought it was extremely entertaining. And, of course, if you're not familiar with the, the show that won the, the best picture, uh, The Green Book is a, a semi-true story about uh, a guy from New York who um, ended up running a nightclub and how for one summer he ended up driving a a black musician all through the Midwest and through the South. And during the course of this, they they bond together. And the, the Green Book refers to a book that apparently people used to have that would list the hotels in the segregated South where black people could stay. So it, I, I found it to be, you know, an entertaining movie. It's gotten a lot of criticism because, well, the you have a number of the, the movie elites who say that, uh, you know, the Green Book it's really kind of one of these, you know, racial buddy pictures. Um, it's a racial reconciliation fantasy where, you know, the white, in this case, it's a white driver and the black musician, they go on the road together and they're skeptical and they don't like each other at first. And at the end, they've, they're, you know, literally having Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner together or something like that. And that's, that's one of these feel good fantasies. And Spike Lee is all bent out of shape because one of his first 
big movies do the right thing, which is, a, by the way, in my opinion, a very good movie. Um, that got snubbed and driving Miss Daisy won. You know, Spike Lee's always resented that. It's, I, you know, I, I'm getting beaten out by this, by you know, these, these feel good movies. And you know, that was, of course, a, a wealthy white woman who bonds with her, you know, black chauffeur. This is kind of the reverse of that. And Spike Lee was very, very upset that, you know, his, movie called Black Klansman didn't win and uh, the Green Book did. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are upset about this and a lot of the critics and a lot of the elite saying, oh, how, how you know, how can you recognize a, a movie like this? This is just this kind of feel-good fluff that doesn't, you know, recognize reality at all. And as I said on, on when I tweeted about this, um, I, I think the, the Green Book, which I found to be extremely entertaining, I, I you know, when you look at the movies that win the Best Picture awards, some are are monumental types. Some are some are Gandhi and Gone with the Wind and Lawrence of Arabia, and others are Kramer versus Kramer and Sideways and things like that. Now, I will be the first to concede that that the Green Book, you know, might be more like a Sideways or a Kramer versus Kramer than a Gandhi or a Lawrence of Arabia or Gone with the Wind. But but nevertheless, I I still I found it to be an entertaining movie, and I, I think it was probably a worthy Best Picture winner. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We only got a couple minutes till the top of the hour when we, we have our first uh, weekday Brewers baseball game. Bob Euchre is going to be behind the microphone. But did you watch the Oscars last night? What was your reaction to the show in general? And if you happen to be one of the people that, like I did, saw the Green Book, I mean, are you outraged that that, that movie won? I'm certainly not. 414-799-1620. All right, your reaction to any aspect of the Oscars, in particular um, the winning picture. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a text. I did watch the Oscars last night. I was very disappointed. Since when did the Oscars uh, become so political and have to deal with such racial problems? The Oscars should be about good movies. Well, actually, in, in all fairness, and this is, I, I watched it from beginning to end, I thought the Oscars were a lot less political, with a couple exceptions. I thought they were a lot less political than they had been in previous years, and sure, a heck of a lot less political than a lot of the other rewards shows. Um, I don't know if that was intentional or whether it was just a reflection of who the winners were, etc., etc., but I, I actually... Again, with the exception of uh, a dig at President Trump at the beginning of the show, which might have caused some people just to get disgusted and turn off the TV, I I thought, with a couple notable exceptions, it was pretty apolitical. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. In my opinion, Green Book is the best movie that's won in probably about four years. Definitely better than The Shape of Water that won last year. I was trying to think of what won last year. The Shape of Water. That was a bad movie. In my opinion, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Let's just say I didn't buy that one. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I mean, did you, have you? Have you? So you saw the Green Book? Oh yeah, yeah, I saw it uh, like Friday night. Well, I, I mean, I, I can. I remember when we, I last year the movie I was pulling for was Hidden Figures. I don't know if you saw that, but Hidden that was the oh, one yeah. about the three, you know, um, black women who worked for NASA back at the time of the first manned spacecraft. I thought that was outstanding. 
Um, and, and I thought the Green Book, I mean, look, I understand it's a feel-good sort of movie, and, and maybe maybe it's a romanticized version of some things, but I was, I was thoroughly entertained. I thought the performances were good, and I walked out of that theater going, boy, this is a pretty good movie. And it seems to me that if, if you're accomplishing that, you've, you've accomplished a lot. Well, I think that, that movies like Green Book and Hidden Figures leave you with the idea that things have improved in society. And other movies, um, such as Black Klansmen, leave you with the idea that things are still really wrong in society. And I think that might be why people are ticked off. Well, no, I, you're right. I mean, I, thanks for calling, Jeff. You're, you, I think you're, you're exactly onto something. There's a big story. As a matter of fact, that's what I link. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. There's a big piece in the L.A. Times. Um, Oscars 2019. Green Book is the worst best, best picture winner since Crash. And the the overall reason why you have some of these reviewers and why some of the, you know, Hollywood left take that position is they say, okay, this is this feel-good movie that sanitizes racial problems. And and instead, what we should be focusing on is all the stuff that divides us as opposed to, gee, maybe, you know, here we have a system where you have, you know, a, a white guy that clearly has bigotry issues, and by the end of the movie, he's come around. Well, that can't possibly be real life. You know, that's why this has to be so terrible. Hmm. Jeff. This is from Chris. I watched the entire Oscar program, first time ever. I was pulling for Bohemian Rhapsody. That's the the Queen movie. Spike Lee acted like a spoiled little brat. He won an Oscar an hour earlier, and it still wasn't enough. It was a better program than most of the partial years I have seen. Yeah, what happened with what Spike Lee did is when the Green Book was announced, he apparently like turned his back on the stage, and he was upset that his movie, The Black Klansman, didn't win, and and he decided that he was just going to dis. The, the the movie that won it it was it was not a class uh, move at least not in my opinion um, but you know the the bottom line you know the the bottom line is that it's I, I thought I thought they did a good job and I think first of all I think if there's a lesson from this year's show one of those lessons would be you really don't need a big name host I think it moved along just fine secondly i think ratings are going to probably be a little bit higher this year partly i think because maybe stuff is more accessible and if the word gets out that it's not going to be just nothing but the hollywood elite deciding that they want to shove their particular brand of politics down everybody's throat maybe people will come back and focus on gee you know we want to hear the songs and we want to see what the stars look like and we want to see clips from the movies boy wouldn't that be revolutionary getting back to what award shows are supposed to be about Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. About five minutes or so where our Brewers pregame coverage starts. Uh, it is the first weekday daytime baseball game. Like I say, over the next couple weeks, we'll have a couple that start at, at 2 o'clock. And then once daylight savings time kicks in, it's 3 o'clock and we will have full shows. Bob Euchre is going to be um, behind the microphone today. Tomorrow is the Brewers' first home game from their, their Maryvale facility. Um, so that should be fun. They've spent a lot of money and apparently completely revamped it. I am anxious to get out there and get a chance to see it. We don't have time to go into the program today, but it is going to be one of our topics probably in the 1 o'clock hour tomorrow. Uh, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who is a Republican, and Maryland is a very, very Democrat state, and and Hogan was just reelected overwhelmingly. I mean, here he's 
a Republican running in a Democrat state reelected overwhelmingly in 2016, which let's face it, 2018, which let's face it, was not a good year for Republicans uh, nationwide. And so that tells you that Hogan is the real thing. He is considering a challenge to President Trump in the upcoming primaries. He's not saying for sure he's in. Um, some people think it would be the end of the world. I, I actually would love to see him mount a challenge. And I think regardless of how it turns out, the party would be better off. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. One of the, the interesting political stories that's out there is that up until – look, I, I understand. President Trump's personality is off-putting. I, I get that. And there's a lot about his personal characteristics and the way he treats people that you know people just flat out don't like. Say what you want about George Bush, George W. Bush. Say what you want about Barack Obama. I think both of these, both of these presidents were gracious people. I just I can't picture President Bush throwing stuff at AIDS. I can't picture President Obama doing things like that. I'm sure they got angry internally, but I think they were both again irrespective of politics. I I think that they were kind of class acts, and I understand that regardless of how you feel about President Trump's policies, there's aspects of his personality and the taking the Twitter and the things he says and the mocking that, I mean, turn a lot of people off, even if you support the policies, which is why it's interesting to me that among the Democratic frontrunners, you have several possible contenders who really are, are President Trump personality people of the left, whether it's Elizabeth Warren or these stories, this the, the senator from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar, the story, the New York Times is even running these stories talking about just what, you know, what, uh, how difficult a personality she is. I mean, here's the story. Senator Amy Klobuchar was hungry, forkless, and losing patience. An aide joining her on a trip to South Carolina in 2008 had procured a salad for his boss while hauling their bags through an airport terminal. So he's carrying her bags, and she tells him to get food. Once on board, he delivered the grim news. He had fumbled the plastic eating utensils before reaching the gate, and the crew did not have any forks on such a short flight. So he's got her the salad. Get my food. Tote my bags. But he doesn't have the, the fork. What happened next was typical. This is the New York Times. Ms. Klubachar berated her aide instantly for the slip-off, slip-up. What happened after that was not. She pulled a comb from her bag, began eating the salad with it, according to four people familiar with the episode. Then she handed the comb to her staff member with an order. Clean it. Um, and then they go on to say this is not unusual about how she would throw things at people and she would be demeaning and she would scream at people and all those types of things and said sometimes you know she she'd apologize for this but in general it was one of those deals where her personality was just so obnoxious and the way she treated people was so terrible that you'd have you know people that would just quit and one of the reasons she's apparently having trouble finding people to work on her presidential campaign is that the word has gotten out that she's extremely difficult to work for i guess i just find it interesting that with all the consternation about Donald Trump's personality and all the people that are upset about the way he behaves and treats people and says stuff, that it appears that the Democrats are in a rush to make some of their front runners people who have exactly the same personality as President Trump. 
makes you almost long for the days of President Bush or President Obama, the whole no drama aspect. Okay, I am out of time. I'm back 12 noon tomorrow. We do this all again. Brewers versus the Angels. Baseball is back, and it's coming up here on WTMJ. Have a great Monday. Stay warm.